0: when you do HR right, you're really just kind of building strong cultures and uh, great places for people to live a majority of their life. We spend so much time at work. And the the one thing that I hate is seeing someone who's not happy in a place that, that they have to spend that much time in. So I love being that person that can really make sure that the people that are there are enjoying the fact that they're there.
1: Long gone are the days of stoic management. We're reading a lot these days about how leaders and managers need to build relationships with their employees and their team members. Join us today on the Better People podcast as we talk to Janet Potts, who is a seasoned and passionate culture-focused HR leader who really has a lot to say about building relationships. Today's guest is Janet Potts. Um, Janet and I first met uh, at Disrupt HR Princeton when Mm -hmm. we were both speakers, and I'm pretty sure I ran out of the room (laughs) to get your contact information because um, I was so wowed by you. And um, and we're thrilled to have you join us um, as a guest on our podcast, on the Better People podcast today.
0: Yeah, thank you. And I can
2: absolutely picture you, Holly, running after Janet, asking, get her <laughs> better information. Um, but Janet, would you uh, tell our guests a little bit about yourself before we get started?
0: Yeah, sure. Uh, well, my name is Janet Potts. I uh, am currently a senior business partner for a company called Savota, which does the technical side of, of uh, rare disease clinical trials. And uh, I'm also an advisor for Weaver's White Co-op in the Philly area. So um, I keep myself busy. I've been in HR going on 11 years now, and I'm pretty passionate about the topic. So that's me. Awesome. But uh, tell us, you know, tell
1: us a little bit about what makes you passionate about the topic.
0: Yeah, yeah, of course. Uh, Well, when I started out in college, I went to school for psychology because I originally wanted to be a therapist or find a way to help people. And I kind of fell into HR, much like I think a lot of people that end up in HR do. I think you frequently fall into it. And what I found is that it is really just kind of a different way to help people. And that's what I really enjoy is uh, when you do HR right, you're really just kind of building strong cultures and uh, great places for people to live a majority of their life. We spend so much time at work. And the the one thing that I hate is seeing someone who's not happy in a place that, that they have to spend that much time in. So I love being that person that can really make sure that the people that are there are enjoying the fact that they're there.
2: So you said do HR right. I think that was really cool. I loved that. Do you have an example of of a time when you felt like you did HR right for your people?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, The biggest example to me and what I kind of feel every time it happens is when someone comes to me with something that's either close to them or emotional or something that is tough for them to talk about. And they recognize me in this department as a safe place to have that conversation because, you know, HR gets a bad reputation sometimes. And it's increasingly tough nowadays. There's there's a lot of rhetoric out there about like the HR is not your friend and things like that. And while we don't necessarily need to be, we need to be a resource rather than a police officer. So, you know, it's every time that. I have an employee come to me and, and really talk about something that's emotional or difficult or share something with me that, you know, is something that you would expect them to share with a close family member or someone that they really need guidance from. That is when I truly feel like, all right, I'm doing this right. And there's a reason for it.
1: So when we um You know, talk about um, being a resource and being a one-on-one resource for people when they have issues, which is absolutely uh, uh, an integral part of what you do. Mm -hmm. Um, We also um, expect HR people to put together programs for everybody, right? Um, So, um, and that is a a real important uh, aspect of culture and um, weaving culture into your workplace. Can you tell us about um, you know one of the programs you may be most proud of, or something that you implemented um, that would that would be a good example of that?
0: Yeah, one of the programs that I am pretty proud of in in my in my career is a program that I put in place in Weaver's Way uh, when I was there. We were pretty the organization itself is very DEI focused and. One thing that I had noticed, I was on vacation and like a nerd, I had brought the HR magazine uh, with me on the plane and I was looking through some of the articles and it was talking about just the percentage of people in HR that are female and white and like, you know, you throw a dart in a room of HR professionals, you're pretty much going to look like the three of us on this call, you know, like <laughs> that's what it's going to end up being. And at this at the time, we were talking about how to increase diversity in our employees and our management levels. And what I realized is that it's really I had to figure out how to diversify my department as well, or to at least make sure that whoever followed me or whatever department was built in the future would be able to support the diverse needs of employees. And so uh, what I did in coordination with my generalists at the time is we, did our homework to figure out what all, where the diverse colleges were in Philadelphia, because there's the ones that have the reputation for it. And there's the ones that actually are. And so we pulled out the top six or seven colleges that had really diverse enrollment. And we started an HR internship program where we were pulling people from the business schools and stuff like that to get them into an HR position. Because again, like I think most of us fall into it and you got to get that opportunity to kind of like have that fall. So um, we pulled in, you know, people from diverse colleges to make sure that we were diversifying the the department and getting like different viewpoints and different experiences. And when I left the department, it's now majority diverse, which I really enjoy because we work in very diverse, you know, neighborhoods. Our community is very diverse and we should be able to speak to that as well. So um, that is definitely one of the things that I am most proud of, that we had such a hand in, in doing that, uh, not only for the organization, but, you know, we had interns that came to us and then left. So they're going to go, you know, do that for another organization.
2: That's a great example of um, you rolling out an initiative that you're really passionate about. Yeah. What, what other examples do you have? Or what else that you have done that you're really proud of?
0: yeah to be honest, the other examples that I have and the things that I'm really proud of come from practices rather than programs. And, you know, what what I think people really value in an organization is just kind of the programs are important. Don't get me wrong. But when you can feel that something is just kind of like the base part of a culture, that it's just a practice within the organization where it doesn't have to be, a special program that's kind of focused on something that's when people truly feel the impact of it so uh, just by kind of having that changing that viewpoint or having conversations to really change the mindset behind like why are we going to do this are you actually committed because this Mm -hmm. is just as much of a commitment on your part as it is on their part you know we now have a completely dramatically different experience. I think I've only had two people not pass them during the last year that I've been there. And, you know, I support 600 people. We we have a few every now and then, you know? And it's study, I actually had a conversation with the manager the other day where he said, uh, so, you know, my person passed. I've never had this happen before. What do I do now? <laughs> wow. it's It's about kind of like, building those practices into your base so that people feel it as just the standard, not as like something that's an add-on, if that makes sense.
1: It, it makes a lot of sense. And I love that, it, you know, practices rather than programs. Um, how do you make sure, or how do you help managers and leaders
0: emulate similar practices? Yeah, uh, the most important thing is emulating it with them. Everyone is kind of, kind of go through those moments where they are either having uh, a tougher moment or a stressful day or something where you get the opportunity to kind of emphasize how you would manage that situation. On top of that, I have regular check-ins with all my managers, um, or at least all of my like upper level managers, since there's quite a lot of people there. <laughs> Um, and I make sure I emphasize with all of them, you know, we, we talk about being proactive. I know about situations before we're getting to the point where somebody is ending up on paper and, you know, we're, I'm making sure that we talk about the practices that should be in place before they need to be in place from like an HR perspective, if that makes sense, you know? Mm -hmm. So Building those relationships so you have the opportunity to do that is the most important part. People need to think of you as a resource and not, you know, principle, whatever analogy I used before, you know, but we really truly are resources and that's how we are most effective at our jobs, but you need to have the the, the relationships built for that, you know? And that's I think a, a big part that we can miss sometimes is that we don't get to we don't get to establish that we deserve that respect or that um that uh that ability to kind of step in and make those decisions or make those guide points of guidance just by being HR. You have to build those relationships so that people actually trust that it's going to be effective when they do it.
1: Right. And it's really building relationships
0: on both sides, right? Yeah. So it's
1: um employees need to feel comfortable coming to talk with you as you spoke about in the beginning of our discussion about yeah. things that are very, very personal and serious. And managers and leaders have to feel comfortable um, expressing concerns and and seeking your guidance. So the Mm -hmm. relationship, um, the process of building those relationships can be very, um, um, require a lot of, I would say, empathy.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. Mm
0: Mm-hmm.
2: You know what I heard that I I think is really very encouraging and this isn't so much a question as I guess really a statement but would love for your thoughts on it is yeah. that um you're talking about the changes you've made in the organization and if I understand correctly you've not been with this organization more than a year yet correct
0: yeah january will be my my year and you've already made such great changes and you know we hear all the time
2: how it takes time to change a culture and mm-hmm. i do believe that's the truth yeah, and it does take time. And yet, and I think people use that as an excuse, maybe sometimes for them not doing it because it's going to take too much time. It's too involved. And yet you've been really um, productive so far. You've been really um, able to achieve a lot in a short period of time. I mean, 10, 11 months, but still mm-hmm. you've done a lot in a short period of time. So what I take from all that is it's really doable and it's really worth it.
0: Yeah, people thrive when you allow them to. When you really give them the support, and you know, just just to be that person to stand there and say, like, I know you can do this. And here, like, I, I'll give you the way to do it. I'll guide you through it. You have me in your corner. Let's go see it through. Like pe- people have that desire to succeed, and the the, the they want to see positive things happen. You know. So I've I've always said people really want to be
1: successful in their lives. Yeah. Um, and speaking of success, you know, maybe a little bit, uh, on the flip side, um, of maybe something that didn't work as well as you intended it to, um, yeah. is there an example of that and what you learned from that
0: or? Yeah. Yeah. I would say, you know, part of, part of my disrupt talk as well was kind of like how, I'm a very open person, you know? Like I I talk about things that are very personal to me. I'm I believe that it's it's better it creates a better environment when you kind of put yourself out there to say like I am a safe place for anyone who needs to talk or I I have, you know, resources if you need to use them. Things like that. And what I I would say one of my faults early on in um in having some of those conversations is not everyone is necessarily ready for that sometimes and figuring out that boundary or those keys of, you know, my, my disrupt talk was all about people with disabilities and how making sure the door is open for having that conversation and making sure that your employees feel comfortable coming to you and having those conversations because they want to, it's, it's, it's really necessary for people who have things that they need to bring to work with them that they cannot leave at home. You know, like we can't, I don't get to choose that I'm not, you know, that I don't have a disability when I go to work. I have one. That's just how it is, you know? So, uh, but what I, what I didn't realize is like in the beginning, I should say, is that some people just, just don't want to have that, that reality sometimes. So you can see it, but they don't necessarily want to acknowledge it, you know? Mm. And so there's a nuance to it. Um, You can't really get into that in a five minute disrupt talk, but there is nuance to it. And that's part of why it's so important to basically say like, I'm here and that's all I'm going to say. Like, I'm here for you and anything you want to say, I'm open to listening to, but you know, in the beginning I used to, you know, say to people like, Hey, I'm here to talk to you. And you know, like, I, under, I may understand, I may have resources, you know, blah, blah, blah. And 99% of the time that went fine until one person was just basically like, I don't want to talk about anything. And they went down the road of like, there were performance issues, and there were other problems. And it was really difficult to basically see like, there's something that's causing these, and we just need to talk about it. You know, like, there's programs, and there's resources, and there's things that you could be taking advantage of that we're not Doing because we can't we haven't had that conversation you know um but not everyone's ready to do that and it's a very personal decision on kind of like when to to have that happen so um th- that really taught me how to make sure your practices are inclusive on both sides you know right. like, again right. making sure people have the ability to talk when they're ready to you know right. and mm-hmm. not everyone is going to reach that reach that point so um Definitely that, that learning point of like you open the door and then you sit there and right. you know right you wait you know and and speaking about you
1: know um the the relationships and the building relationship part and we in the Gartner group's research that they put out about the future of work, one of the one of the tenants of, of what's on HR people's minds in uh, the upcoming year will be on the, the creating leaders who connect and mm-hmm. who feel and who can have those conversations. So mm-hmm. your thoughts around that, your thoughts around, you know, helping managers have those kinds of conversations.
0: Yeah, I I completely agree. That's going to be critical moving forward. The the working world that we had, you know, 20 years ago where people came in and they clocked in and did their job and, you know, had their cordial relationships and then went home. That's not really what we have anymore. People expect something different of their workplace and they want to feel engaged and they want to feel like it's a community. And it's it's our responsibility to make sure that there is that feeling of community in a workplace. Uh, So... A big part of it is making sure you have managers that are actually supportive, that have at least a little bit of servant leadership traits where like they are there to make sure their people succeed rather than there to like, you know, I used to hear the phrase herd cats all the time. Like if that's how you view management, you're probably not the best manager. (laughs) So, you know, I, I think that's very, very correct that when it comes to what we should be building into our companies, it it needs to be a focus on really strong managers. We viewed this as just kind of like the next step in a job, like, oh, you want to grow in your career? Well, manage some people, you know? And it wasn't necessarily like a, well, you seem like you'd be a really good people manager. It's like, well, you're going to manage developers. You're the best developer we have. You should be able to do it, right? Like, why not? Here you go. Here's your promotion. And we really need to change that practice. It's been changing, but there's still companies out there doing that, you know. So uh how we how we structure our managers and how we teach them and foster them and the traits that we require to get into that level of a position or that kind of a position are gonna be pretty critical to how companies retain their talent in the coming years.
1: Oh, for sure. We absolutely yeah. we say all the time people don't leave jobs, they leave managers,
2: right? So That's true. For sure. And leading people is a skill that absolutely needs to be learned and developed, right? You're yeah. not necessarily born with that one. So Janet, what's next for you? What's, you've done so much already. You've uh, accomplished a lot in your short time with the organization that you're at now and and your experience, but what's the next project for you or the next initiative that you're looking forward to rolling out?
0: Yeah, we are in the process of completely redoing the organizational structure for the division that I support, so... <laughs> That's a, quite a big one. Uh, we're, we're doing a lot with that. Uh, we are trying to create those pathways for people who want career growth, but don't want to be managers. You know, we're, we're uh, switching to dual manager models so that you can have that coach and mentor and you can have someone that's more of a subject matter expert that's a day-to-day person, but that doesn't have to have that emotional intelligence or that, you know, like that, coaching and mentoring aspect of management. Um, so it's a pretty big change. And uh, we're hoping to kind of kick it over uh, in in February. So we are in the thick of all the planning and the, you know, final steps of, or the final touches on the model and engaging people within the organization at every level to make sure that we've thought everything through. So um, you know, my calendar's pretty busy this day these days, I won't lie. <laughs> So I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to geek out a little bit for a
1: moment. Yeah. Um, yeah. and I'm obsessed that you just said what you said, mm-hmm. because I don't, um, I listen to a lot of podcasts, like a total nerd. yeah And there was, um, an interview I listened to and with, uh, Dr. Grafton, Laura Grafton, who is, uh. A business management researcher, and one of the things she talked about were was two managers: one to manage the people, and one to be that subject matter expert kind of, and not require that the that this person on the right hand side, my right, your left, have that that level of skill set, and and then evaluate them. Mm-hmm. in very different ways, have right. very different metrics to measure success. So I'm wondering um, what kinds of metrics, or maybe you've not gotten there, but what kinds of metrics you're thinking or putting in place around measuring success?
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, you're right that we've not gotten there, but I can give you some rough ideas. Uh, our day-to-day managers are going to fall more on the project management side of things. So the metrics that are going to be ar- around delivery of projects, successive projects you know things like that utilization but it's also going to have team engagement in there because no matter what even if you're leading the day to day you mm-hmm. need to be someone that can actually direct teams in a calm way that is a stabilizing force you know that's something that we sometimes miss um but that needs to be something where you actually have a team atmosphere you know you you have to be able to engage the team to to meet the goal that you need to meet Um, For our mentorship managers, again, you're going to have that component of engagement, but it's also going to be things like making sure that people are uh, poised for the right opportunities. Uh, Are we succession planning correctly? Do we know the resources that we have versus the resources that we need? Um, Basically being that viewpoint into... um, how how are we really, like, is our talent fully utilized from the, the perspective Ooh. of their uh, capabilities and like strengths, you know, uh, because it's very easy to get lost in the company. It's very easy to do good at your job, but to have a whole bunch of strengths and talents that nobody knows about, you know? Right. So uh, that's really how we're kind of viewing these these managers that are going to be like coaches and mentors. They're going to be there to really make sure that we're utilizing our talent to the best of uh, to the best of their potential to both of our benefits. I mean, it's obviously beneficial for the company, but it's beneficial to that employee as well to be able to kind of have someone that's in their corner that's really trying to make sure they're getting great opportunity and growing um, And it should help us from a company perspective really make sure we're we're growing talent in the right ways and towards the things that they're actually interested in. Uh, we're a growing now like almost 10year startup. So we're kind of out of the start. We're in the late startup stages, but you know, we still get that word every now and then. And when you have something like that, there's a lot of people that go, "Oh, you need that done? All right, I'll do it." You know, <laughs> like that's that's that kind of culture. Uh, but it doesn't necessarily mean that people end up in places that they really like or that they really wanted to be. It means they ended up in places where the company really needed someone, and they were the one that stand right. up. You know, right. so um, I'm really excited for this this ability to kind of switch to. Uh, a system that focuses on what people want and what people are good at, and merging that with what the business needs. Yep, fantastic.
1: Yeah. I, I, um, I'm going to share this. This I know I have it somewhere. I'm going to share it with you. It's awesome. just fantastic, and it's filled with lots of great ideas too. So I will cool. share that with you.
2: So one more quick question for you. Um, and I love what you just said as well. And I think it's amazing. And I think we need to have you back. Uh, ah. Next year, to hear how the rollout of this went. Yeah. Um, mm. But, you know, and, and you're so on with what you're doing. I mean, we hear it from our members all the time that they're, their people are looking for this, right? They're looking for the path that they can take within the organization, and they might not be sure what is the right path for them. But I also know that a lot of people aren't really sure what is the right path for them. Mm. So, have you thought about how you're going to help the employees maybe even figure out? what they are good at and where do they want to be spending their time?
0: Yeah, we've actually been doing this for our managers right now because there's going to be so much of an opportunity. Right now they do both of those things and it's getting separated, you know, so they can go this direction. They can go the mentoring direction we're starting new opportunities within the division so they can completely leave both opportunities. So we've been doing this with them. Uh, there's an exercise that I can't take credit for. Our organizational development group is just amazing within our company. Uh, it's something called a red threads exercise where it's basically like, you know, what, what what has really excited you in your career when you look back at like the things that have really been strong for you? What, what buckets do they fall in? Uh, when you look back at your successes, what are you most proud of? And how does that relate to like, the things that you've done here. Um so part of it will be coaching our managers and how to have those conversations and the people that become coaches. Uh but at the same time, I, I try to have those conversations with quite a lot of people as well. Uh, we we have a group within the di- the division that I support. They have this, this, it's almost like a little podcast. It's called Purple Plates. And they just talk about different opportunities and different roles. And they have people within the division come on and talk about the job they do so that people can get an idea of what every role does and what it looks like. And like what does a day actually look like when you do that mm. job? um but it's important for people to feel like there are opportunities with for them within an organization and that they can really understand that but that they also have the opportunity to grow skills to take a path that's not within the organization as well i mean we all want to retain our talent but it's better to grow talent that if they have to walk out the door they walk out the door happy and really understanding that like you were the place that enabled them to get to where they want to be absolutely Absolutely. Yeah.
1: Sure. You know, um, Janet, I um, loved having this conversation with you. Um, yeah. I'm going to speak for Margaret and say we both loved it. Um, <laughs> sorry. Uh, um, no, nope, that's fine. Um, is there anything else, like sort of last minute words of wisdom for maybe somebody starting out in an HR career? Any any thoughts that you would want to share?
0: Yeah. The, the one thing that I would really share is is just to make sure that you are the person that people see as a resource and an advocate where necessary because every now and then HR has to be that advocate for, for their employees just as much as the company. Um, but to make sure that the people are viewing you more as that resource than anything else, it's getting increasingly tougher to be seen that way in, in our mm-hmm. department. And um, it, that won't come as as a as a standard. When you walk in the door, people aren't going to immediately think that of you. And so it's it's more important than ever to really put that work in and build those relationships and make sure that you're someone that's sharing the why of why things are happening and, mm-hmm. and the reasoning behind things so that even if you're making decisions that are right for the organization, but maybe not necessarily what people wanted to hear they can respect them and uh it, it pains me sometimes to see the reputation that that human resources as a whole can have and our you know our rebranding to try and get away from that but uh uh i truly think that when it comes to to the way that we move forward or the way that we're seen in the light that we really want to be seen it's going to come to just building those relationships and making sure you're focusing on on being that resource.
1: Great advice. Yeah, it's great advice. Thank you so much, Janet. We really appreciate your time. Lots of luck and um, be well.
2: Thank you. thank you, Janet. Thank you for listening. We hope you got a ton of value out of this episode. Before we go, we want to thank the sponsor of our show, the Mid-Atlantic Employers Association, more commonly referred to as MEA. MEA provides human resources services to hundreds of businesses across numerous industries every day, bridging gaps that restrain innovation and growth.
1: If you need support around people issues, reach out to MEainfo.org. Better people, better outcomes.